how do we meditate? We have to remember two things. We have to do it simultaneously. One is to focus on your own breath. The other is to let go. So one is grasping at it. The other is letting go of it. It seems to be just in the opposite direction. So these are the two things. One is the opposite of the others. So in other words, sometimes you have to work at it, and sometimes you must be letting go of it. So you must practice this. It sounds like you're putting salt in water, and then the water gets salty. You put water, add in water again, and then you put salt, and then add water again. Um, but it is important to do it like that. Uh, now, as we go on, you will realize why do we do it this way. We focus on the breath, and many other gurus um, and uh, meditators they call it present moment awareness. Uh, that is to focus on the breath. Why the breath? Well, not anything else. Why not a flame, a candle? Because the breath is the most present moment. What is more present than your breath? Your breath is right now, here and now. It follows you wherever you go, and as long as you live, it is the most akin to you. So that's the reason why use the breath. And I know that there are some other methods of meditation. For example, um, uh, meditating on a koan, or there's also um, meditating on Kundalini. Now, Chan Hua Tou, meditation on Kohen, is, is very complicated. It's not that easy. For those higher level ones, it's easier for higher level ones. Meditation on Kundalini, if you don't have a full understanding of it, you can easily get into, into I wouldn't say problems, into some difficulties that you may not be able to, to resolve by yourself. So it's not that easy. But this one, uh, why Kundalini is not that easy? I'm not, I'm not downgrading any other methods. Uh, why Kundalini is not that easy? Because it's more efforts applying. It's more, it's like when you're burning something, in the cattle, say if you're like a campfire and you're using a candle, you use flame to burn it. Uh, Kundalini is something that you add a lot of fuel, you add a lot of fire with logs, and if you cannot control the fire, you'll burn yourself. <laughs> it's not that easy. So watch out of those. Um, I don't mean to downgrading anything. It's just whatever is good for you, but. This is what the Buddha taught, and uh, I want to use the Buddhist method, you know. And letting go, another, other than focusing on the breath, the other is letting go. Focusing on the breath is present moment awareness, we know. Now, how about letting go? Letting go is no perpetuation of habitual attachment. Why let go? Because we have to break the habitual continuation of wandering thoughts. Uh, the breath deals with the present moment. And 
So how about the past and the future? We always have to attach to the past and worry about the future. The past and future um, will have to be resolved, will have to be dealt with by letting go. So remember these two methods. I, it's just, a, it's just a, a summary for you. This is another summary. So when we, sit, when we talk about letting go, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our tongue, our body, and mind, all attached to this matter, sound, smell, taste, touch, and thought. This means letting go of matter, letting go of sound, letting go of smell, letting go of taste in meditation, and letting go of, of do we have to let go of touch? We didn't let go of touch because we still have the breath. The breath touches. So we only have one object, that's the breath. We don't have anything else. That's the senses, the objects. And how about thought? No inner commentator. Don't put a second thought to it. No second thought. Break the habitual continuation of past and future, attention on the present breath. And then on, the, on, on self, because we have how many consciousnesses, we have eight consciousnesses. So if we work on all this seven, we are on our way to realization. So on self, you break the self. No have letting go, only the breath exists. That's what we talk about. And the method we use is ana, pana, zati, in, ana is in, pana is out, sati is what is in the mind, the thought in the mind. So we are practicing meditation. How to cross your leg, what clothes to wear, where do you shrink, you know, relax your shoulders. Those are the easy, those are the postures that are so easy that <laughs> I find that we're repeating every session, it seems to be a little bit boring. To, to, to people who come here all the time, listen to the same thing. But for the sake of benefiting newcomers, we want to do, to do it for the sake of benefiting newcomers. For those who have been here all the time, listening to another 15 minutes of, 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 of instructions that you have been listening before, maybe a little boring, but we always consider newcomers. <laughs> so we repeat it again. Okay, now, if we get further, how do, we, how do I know I'm doing it right? How do I progress in my meditation? What is meditation? What stages? How do I know I'm right? Where would I go from here? People like to know about it. And uh, where do I, when do I get the enlightenment? And then we say there are state, different stages of meditation that we already have talked about. So we are right here so we can achieve kamadhatu samadhi and uh, anagamya samadhi. That's the highest we achieve in the world we're living in. But some people in this world can achieve first jhana at the time of meditation, or the second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana. Now these are very high level ones. The Buddha was in here between three and four, and some people said four in some sutras, and then he got out from, from this. He got out from from this, all this um, temporal meditation and got into nirvana. 
And of course, if you go further up, you have infinite space attainment, infinite consciousness attainment, no nothing attainment, and neither perception or non-perception attainment, which is even a higher level. Why do you call this jhana and that attachment? I mean, I mean attainment. Usually, Sutrasis says that in here is a combination of wisdom and uh, uh, vipassana wisdom and samadhi. In here is more of concentration, people who's more of concentration. So if you, if you focus more on concentration, if you erroneously got into just meditation and without wisdom, you could go into here. You are, you're not out from samsara as yet. You're not out into a t a nirvana as yet. Because you concentrate just on the concentration, on the samadhi part, and not the wisdom part. So it is very important that you also have the wisdom part, the vipassana part. And then, where do we go from here? We know the stages that we're going into. And how do we feel? How do we, when we progress, what would be our experiences in meditation? We haven't reached any area, but according to some people who attain this jhana, how do they feel it? What did they tell us? How, what did the Buddha tell us when we get jhana, when we get attainment? If we are in this world, if we do a meditation, we, we know how to do it, we have directed thought. That means we know how to do it. Under instructions and with a lot of reading, we know all these. Um, assuming you know, assuming you're very familiar with meditation, that means you already have directed thought. In other words, you have samadhi. You have directed thought because you know how to do it. You're very familiar with it. And then you also have evaluation. You know how to evaluate yourself when you do meditation? And what is wrong, what is right, how do you progress? If you have these two and really are good at it, you may achieve kamadhatu samadhi. You have certain focus. Assuming you know, you got all these, you know already, you've been practicing for a number of years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Do you need that long? Some people need 30 years. Some people need the whole life to, to know, to go through this too. But for some people, it may be just a month. So don't underestimate yourself. Don't think that, oh, some, some people need 30 years to arrive at those mental factors. For some people, if you have practiced it before in your previous life, it could take you a month or one year or two years or three years. We don't know. So don't attach a number of years to it. For, yeah? Yeah? There's no such thing as a period of time. But um, just as a common saying, maybe three years, four years, you know, approximately three, four years, if you do it, every, if you do it all the time, you know how to direct your thought. Well, so for some people, you know how to direct your thought. You have an object. You, you, you focus on your breath and you let go, but for some people, they did it for one month, they quit for another three months, do it one month again, quit for three months again. It may take them the whole life and they haven't, achieved, they, they, they haven't done any of these. So as you do more and more and more, you have directed thought, you know your evaluation, you begin to feel comfort. 
you begin to feel a little joy in it. You feel you're overwhelmed with joy. Because meditation is going up, right? Another, so this is first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, and fourth jhana. So you have directed thought when you get into first jhana, you have evaluation, you have stillness, you have rapture, you have all these five mental factors. You have all these five. When you experience all these five feelings, perceptions, then you are in first jhana. In other words, uh, you have been meditating for years, you have directed thought, you have evaluation, and then you attain a little bit of stillness of mind, then you, suddenly you have the rapture of joy in you. Joy. And you have rapture and you have joy. That's the, that is the first jhana. And in the second jhana, you don't need this anymore. Because these, you don't have to look for anything. You are, you are already so familiar with them that you still have the object, the breath, but you don't need to investigate and analysis and all that. You're at a higher level, you attain the stillness of mind, and then you have rapture and you have joy. Okay. And as you go further, even the joy, you don't need it. You won't attach to the joy. You have the stillness of mind, you have that rapture. The joy, you don't need joy anymore. And then in the fourth jhana, then you only have the stillness of mind. Rapture and joy are attachments to you. You don't want those rapture and joy. You don't want any attachment. You let go of the joy, you let go of rapture. You only have stillness of mind, that is in the fourth jhana. You're already at a very high level. If you are at this, if you are at first jhana, second, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, you could have been meditating for days. Some people meditate for a month. And if, if you're at the fourth jhana, you could have been meditating for one month without drinking any water. Even without air, even without food, you can do, you can do the fourth jhana, you go to the fourth jhana. What do we get from here? That if you are in meditation at a high level, you have a lot of joy and comfort and rapture and stillness of mind, which is so... I don't know if we can call it happiness. But up to this level, you've got to watch out for something. Usually in sutras, it tells you about joy, about rapture. And few of them talk about problems in meditation, disruptive emotions in meditations, the difficulties you encounter in meditation. You think everything is joy? You have to go through a lot of storms to get into these. And they only tell you the good parts of them to encourage you. Some sutras, they dare not tell you too much about, oh, you get Mara, you get dominated by devils. But the most, the actual devils is the devils of your mind. N not very, very few outside devils. In other words, there is no Mara or devils that would walk and dominate you or hit you, or whip, whip you. Most of it is from the inside. If your inside has no devil, the outside cannot do anything about you. 
But if the inside has devil, it will cooperate with the outside devil to overwhelm you. We haven't heard about an outside devil who ate you up, who, who, who swallow you. No. If you really want to get into stillness of mind, you have to go through a lot of storms, difficulties, disruptive emotions. And if you don't know how to do it, you ruin yourself. So you really have to, most people say you need a guru. You need people who understand. You can't just go by, here's a book, and I, I depend on this book, I got meditation. What happens if you have one of the problems? Can you use a book to cure your physical sickness? I got Google, I got every other information. If I have a flu, then I just key in Google or whatever and say how to cure the flu, and then you just get some tablets and you're okay? So we don't need any doctors. So you really have, you really have to understand the problems in meditation. But don't let that scare you off. If you, if you are able to go through those storms, those rainy seasons, stormy weathers, you're on your way to success. It's only logical. You mean all meditation is joy, is happiness, no problems? Then how come we have so many problems in life? Nothing comes, there's no, there's no free lunch. The, 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 there's a saying in North America, there's no free lunch. You can be a Buddha. What did the Buddha, how did the Buddha, Buddha practice? The Buddha practiced for lives, many, many lives. I mean, when he came to the last life before reincarnation, he went into eight years of ascetic practices. He got a lot of sickness. He was so weak and fragile that he was actually crawling and simply crawling to the banks of the river, and then he fainted. He had gone through a lot of chance sickness. He had gone through a lot of difficulties and storms. And then he was able, fortunately, he was able to survive. Um, a lady, hurting the, the, the shepherd, uh, gave him milk to drink, to revitalize him, and then was able to crawl back under the Bodhi tree, crawl back to the seat and, and make a vow to do it again, to do it again. And even that, he had to go through the Mara's um, enticements, the Mara's, the war of the Mara's, finally before getting to enlightenment. The Buddha has to go through a lot of disruptive emotions, overcome those emotions and become the Buddha. And you, thinking that everything is happy in meditation, we didn't mention these things to scare you off in the first six years, ten years, right? We're telling you now, otherwise you won't come. And a lot of problems. And if you practice other methods, if you got into problems, some people got into problems, and it takes them years to recover. If you do not have vipassana in the focus, you get into problems. So you have to mix vipassana with samadhi. You have to mix wisdom with concentration. They say it's extremely difficult. So what are those problems? 
Let's evaluate those problems, disruptive emotions and meditations. When your focus is getting stronger and longer, or when you're trying too hard with your focus, that you have gone well over the threshold of your efforts, you may experience disruptive emotions. You've done it too much. And one of these disruptive emotions as a result of meditation, worry and anxiety, fear, painful memories, anger, jealousy, discouragement, boredom, lust, desire, doubt, even overwhelming feelings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy is itself a deterrent to enlightenment if you're attached to them. Your awareness is heightened and your emotions are magnified. Subliminal emotions that have been accumulating from previous life rise to the surface of your consciousness. It's just like there is a door to all your emotions subliminally hidden or in the basement of your mind. And you go down to the basement, you have to uplift your, your opening and then you go down to your basement. And now if you focus for so long, you increase your power, you are able to open up that basement of emo subliminal emotions that been accumulated for many, many lives. You exposed it, it really stinks, they really stink. And you try to clean them up. Those subliminal emotions have been in you for years, for, for lives. Worry, anxiety, fear, painful anger, all of a sudden, because of your concentration, you realize them. Without concentration, you don't even realize you have a basement of problems. Now you open up because of your concentration. When we talk about this, we have subliminal, all hidden underneath you. And your awareness is heightened, and your emotions, previously when you are interacting in your daily lives, all your emotions that you, you may realize, some people never realize the emotions, are so crude. And now, because of your focus, you have been given a focusing lens, you have been given a magnifier to magnify every single little thought that you have. A flickering of time already has contained many, many thoughts. You don't realize those small little thoughts. I don't know, there's so much to talk about problems in meditation. Only when you arrive at the level that you realize every minute little thought coming up. You think you know yourself? Oh, I, I, I'm fair. I'm not opinionated. I never look at things with uh, distorted views. Uh, because you don't know yourself. I'm kind, some people say. I'm kind. I'm cooperative. I'm considerate. I can say no. You're not. Getting into subliminal levels, you're hiding all these defects in you. You never know, didn't know about it until you really get into the focus, until you've been giving, given a magnifier. Because your focus, what is a focus? A focus is a magnifier. 
once you open up the basement, the subliminal emotions and a huge magnifying look at it, oh, gee, these are the things I haven't discovered. Now it's coming up. It's good. I discover it now. Let me resolve it. But when you resolve it, at the first time when you open this subliminal basement, the stinky smell overwhelms you. You're sick. You have so much anxiety and fear. You have so much painful memories. You're so angry. You're so jealous that you're overwhelmed. You hate meditation. You give up. I don't want to meditate anymore. It's terrible. I feel this. I feel that. I feel possessed. I feel overwhelmed. I feel that I'm not comfortable here. I'm not comfortable there. Because you know why? When you have focus, not only your spiritual part change, your physical parts also change. Your chi, your energy, it's all increasing. Your energy is all over the body. If you don't know how to direct them out, to release them out, you got sick physically even. You feel your chest is all painful. You feel your nothing is comfortable. You feel you're so agitated because you bottle up with the sudden increase of chi, sudden increase of energy. You don't know how to release it. You don't have a guru. You don't have a teacher to ask. You only go by books and videos. And some people have that chi for nine years, ten years, and they have a headache, migraine headache. So, no free lunches. If you want to go through that long desert to get to that oasis of enlightenment, you're going to go through a lot of deserts, a lot of sandy storms, violence, and everything. But once you overcome those, that's the oasis. You'll be overwhelmed with that oasis, that enlightenment, that nirvana. So I expect there's a decrease of the number of participants next time because you get scared, you don't want to meditate again. There's physical and spiritual setbacks as you go further and further. A lot of people here don't even get to that part. So don't worry. Don't worry about it yet. You don't have that yet. You're meditating only for one hour on not even one hour on a Saturday morning and you expect to see all those subliminal emotions in your basement of mind? Forget it. No. You know a little bit of yourself. You couldn't even control your crude emotions. 